Shalom, my friends, and welcome to the Roots of Flourishing podcast. I am Dr. Chris Lasante, and this is the podcast where we explore the roots of human flourishing through medical knowledge, philosophical reasoning, and theological insights. Episode 20, The Digital Revolution's Challenges to Our Humanity, Part 5, The Spiritual. Well before the digital revolution, the 17th century French mathematician, philosopher, and Catholic writer Blaise Pascal said, All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. With the limitless distractions that the digital revolution provides that harms all the dimensions of our humanity, to include the spiritual, this quote from Pascal is more applicable today than when he wrote it in the 1600s. Author Andrew Sullivan recounts his distraction sickness in an appropriately entitled essay, I Used to Be a Human Being, with the subtitle, An endless bombardment of news and gossip and images has rendered us manic information addicts. It broke me. It might break you too. He states, it slowly removes, without our even noticing it, the very spaces where we can gain a footing in our minds and souls that is not captive to constant pressures or desires or duties, and the smartphone has all but banished them. It's also hard to explain, it seems to me, the sudden explosion of interest in and tolerance of cannabis in the past 15 years without factoring in the intensifying digital climate. Weed is a form of self-medication for an era of mass distraction, providing a quick and easy path to mellowed contemplation in a world where the ample space and time necessary for it are under siege. The distractions, according to Andrew Sullivan and many others, that the digital revolution provides are truly limitless and relentless and conspire against us, preventing us from taking the necessary time to nourish our souls and seek relationship with God. Dr. Laurel Dovich, in a Cedarville University address, sums up the problems well when she says, Too much digital engagement keeps us from showing up for life from being mindful of God and living in the present moment. The digital revolution isolates us from real human interactions, thus decreasing our empathy and heightening a variety of adverse psychologic tendencies, from biased confirmation to false consensus effect to strong undercurrents of pride, anger, and hate that have caused societal fracturing. Today, we will discuss further how the vices diminish the good of the virtues, while also agreeing with both Andrew Sullivan and Laurel Dovich that the constant stream of distractions the digital world endlessly serves up keeps us from sitting quietly with our thoughts and hence ultimately dehumanizes us by harming not only the good, but also the true, the beautiful, and our relationship with God. First off, the good or the virtues. All the virtues have taken a profound hit from the digital revolution, but I will highlight some that I think have been affected most. Temperance, prudence, and love. Temperance is a casualty as people binge-watch or scroll endlessly. Joshua Hoschild, professor of philosophy and director of philosophy, 
Politics and Economics at Mount St. Mary's University highlights both the distraction and the limitless nature of the digital revolution when he says, What is unprecedented about the environment of social media is its potentially limitless distraction. This then allows us to overindulge nearly endlessly in doing things that appeal to our desires, but frequently resulting in an addictive cycle of needing increasing stimuli while paradoxically resulting in decreasing pleasure. Next, prudence and wisdom have been exchanged for haste and hurry. We rush frantically from digital experience to digital experience, looking for our next dopamine hit of novel information or emotional satisfaction, all the while reinforcing the ever-widening psychologic state of fear of missing out or FOMO. Our digital appetite prefers things that are emotionally satisfying, aligning with our confirmation biases, rather than seeking out and truly wrestling with different points of view or things that may challenge our preconceived notions. We need to be mindful that wisdom comes slowly and frequently from a multitude of counselors, as stated in the book of Proverbs. When we speed through things hastily, we cannot process or reflect on these concepts or ideas, and thus our own intellectual and spiritual growth stagnates. Love is increasingly hard to find. Now, heated disagreement has always occurred amongst people. However, the increasing demonization and canceling of those we happen to disagree with is at new heights. The digital world provides a ripe environment for anger and pride since those with whom we disagree are not physically present. The digital environment minimizes our sense of social propriety, which, in combination with a lack of empathy due to our mirror neurons not working, all set the stage for less-than-loving attitude and actions. As we discussed in our last episode, the social media world stokes and rewards anger and pride. These two vices, both deadly sins, work actively against love. Additionally, all seven deadly sins— Pride, anger, lust, sloth, avarice, envy, and gluttony are all readily available a click away on the internet, feeding our worst psychologic tendencies and pulling us away from the spiritual virtues. Advertising appeals to our sense of pride, avarice, envy, and or gluttony. Lust is almost always placed alongside advertising, if not crassly marketed through pornography. Gluttony is much more than just eating too much at the dinner table, but is truly the condition of overindulging our psychologic desires. We can have a gluttony of too many of anything that then puts us out of balance amongst our dimensions by feeding our psychologic desires. Finally, Sloth is more than just not being productive, but rather neglecting important duties and relationships, particularly those that nurture our souls and our relationship with God. The true is harder to find. The basic good of knowledge is sacrifice at the altar of toxic tribalism and one-upmanship that altogether too often passes for political discourse today. Do we value truth above our allegiance to our group? 
what do we do when the truth goes against our preferred group's thinking? If we value the truth and love the people in our group, then this should lead us to speak out on behalf of truth and lovingly correct those within the group. However, toxic tribalism can insulate us from the truth in many ways as we previously discussed last episode when we talked about cancel culture. Also, one-upmanship by influencers is all about getting more likes and followers, and they frequently do that by appealing to our emotions. However, this raw appeal to emotions has the harmful effect of truncating our dialogue and preventing us from the hard work of a more thoughtful and nuanced conversation. These deeper conversations do not appeal to our emotions, while at the same time they may challenge our preconceived biases and also require more time than most of us are willing to give. Hence, many influencers today appeal to raw emotions, lack good thinking, and specialize in divisive sound bites merely to keep and get more listeners, which continually short-circuits a pursuit of the truth. The beautiful is distorted. The digital world is overwhelmingly a visual one that favors appearance over substance. Physical appearance is now plastered endlessly everywhere we look. Sex sells and the internet is all about selling you something. We are enticed by Photoshop beauties while failing to appreciate the beauty all around us, whether it is a fascinating cloud formation, a beautiful flower, or a healthy squirrel jumping from tree limb to tree limb. Additionally, we increasingly confuse an appearance of virtue for actual virtue, also known as virtue signaling. Appearing to be good has always been a temptation, but we increasingly think that posting something in all caps is synonymous with a virtuous life. As we have discussed before, virtues are strengthened and made manifest most evidently and strongly through real social interactions, which the digital world provides in scant quantities. Jesus reminds us of the importance of actions when he says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Because of this distorted view of beauty, we fail to appreciate the truly beautiful, a beautiful soul. Beauty that exemplifies the fruits of the Spirit is recounted in Galatians 5.22 and 23, when it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Was Mother Teresa truly one of the most beautiful women of the world compared to the cosmetically enhanced celebrities? Lastly, and most importantly, is our relationship with God or the basic good of harmony with the divine that is adversely impacted. This basic good is the one good of ultimately eternal importance. Our relationship with God, just like our social relationships, is worsened or neglected by the addictive and distractive nature of the digital world. The digital world panders to our psychological desires, increasingly making the psychological dimension the tyrannical king over the other three dimensions. However, God is the one and only righteous and just king who does not rule out of fear or self-interest, but rather out of love. 
When we place our desires in kingdom over God's, then we will be out of balance and not working in harmony with God's design for completing our humanity and sanctifying our lives and souls. We need to be mindful of the concept of mutual subordination, where each of the four dimensions subordinates its interests to the others so that all the goods of each dimension can be fulfilled. The kingdom of me competes directly and futilely with the kingdom of God. The Lord's Prayer does not say, My will be done, but Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We must be ever mindful that the digital revolution further presses us into the kingdom of the psychologic and away from the kingdom of God. This psychologically driven life and the myriad distractions inherent have also invaded the Western Church, further obstructing our relationship with God. Andrew Sullivan points out this tension when he says, If the churches came to understand that the greatest threat to faith today is not hedonism, but distraction, perhaps they might begin to appeal anew to a frazzled digital generation. Christian leaders seem to think that they need more distraction to counter the distraction. Their services have degenerated into emotional spasms. Their spaces drown with light and noise and lock shut throughout the day when their darkness and silence might actually draw those whose minds and souls have grown web-weary. But the mysticism of Catholic meditation— of the rosary, a benediction, or simple contemplative prayer is a tradition in search of rediscovery. The monasteries, opened up to more lay visitors, could try to answer to the same needs that the booming yoga movement has increasingly met. Joshua Hoschild put it in perspective when he says, As it ever has been, the central challenge of spiritual discipline is— Are we choosing where to give our attention? Attention is the inner energy of the soul, and when it is sucked away and diverted, the soul falls into acedia, spiritual sloth, a failure of the will to act. Joshua reminds us of the antagonism of the seven deadly sins, sloth in this instance, that work against our relationship with God. We in the modern West often think of sloth as inactivity, and thus we comfort ourselves that we're not lazy or slothful by filling our days 24-7 by doing. This distractive nature of constantly doing, swiping, and viewing is what the digital world and its profit motive thrives on. Andrew Sullivan states it well when he says, The mania of our online lives reveals this— We keep swiping and swiping because we are never fully satisfied. The late British philosopher Michael Oakeshott starkly called this truth the deadliness of doing. Thus, Andrew and Michael Oakeshott point out the innate folly and futility of chasing after our own psychological wants and desires. Christian author Bob Hostetler echoes these sentiments well when he said, Too often we keep doing and doing, going and going like the Energizer Bunny to the point of illness or collapse. Jesus knew that solitude is an antidote to activity, aiding a return from chronic human doing to our created state of human being. The importance of being and not doing is vital for our spiritual health and has been known for thousands of years. 
The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. While the prophet Isaiah says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Jesus was famous for seeking solitude and prayer with the Father. One such account in the Gospel of Mark states, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. The church needs to encourage all Christians to be more like Jesus. It needs to be a refuge from the frenetic pace of distractions that we encounter. Restoring the monastic balance of work, rest, and prayer is desperately needed, and the church needs to model and encourage this life. We must combat distraction not with more distraction, but with solitude, contemplation, and meditative prayer. We need to restore the balance and harmony in our lives by ensuring that we spend time communicating with God in the vital spiritual dimension without the distractions that the modern digital life continually offers us. Joshua Hoschild puts this in very stark spiritual terms when he says, Defense against the new dark arts of Silicon Valley thus relies on the same tools as ancient spiritual warfare, especially custody of our attention. Demons attack our weaknesses. The vices make us vulnerable. Hence, virtues have been called spiritual armor, protecting us from assault. Screwtape, a senior tempter from C.S. Lewis's book The Screwtape Letters, counsels a junior tempter and his nephew, Wormwood, to do anything possible to distract his victim from engaging in basic exercises of will and reason. Going for a walk, reading a book, even asking questions— These are all powerful human defenses against the distractions of the devil. Individual acts of thinking and choosing for oneself, exercising self-awareness, and taking responsibility for one's actions and thoughts, the distinctive activities of the rational animal, are themselves safeguards against the soul snatcher's designs. Hoschild goes on to recommend prayer as the powerful weapon to foil these attacks when he says, Perhaps this can also give us new appreciation for the power of prayer, sometimes described as a spiritual weapon. More than any other deliberate activity, prayer activates and directs the soul's various modes of cognition, disciplining them and orienting them to deeper understanding of self and union with God. In addition to prayer's obvious benefit of promoting the good of our relationship with God, it is also the vehicle by which God transforms us into more of his own likeness by supernaturally enhancing our virtues, the most important being love. Furthermore, the interconnected nature of our humanity reminds us of a host of secondary benefits to prayer meditation. Dr. Dovich summarizes many of these when she says, A host of brain imaging studies during meditation show that deep thinking and quiet reflection make us more socially aware, reduce negative feelings, counter effects of depression, help achieve goals, increase creativity and spatial processing, give fresh perspectives on problems we face, and reduces stress. Truly, we were made to pray, and this significantly contributes to completing our humanity. 
Andrew Sullivan makes a keen insight with his statement, and I realize that this is, in some ways, just another tale in the vast book of human frailty. But this new epidemic of distraction is our civilization's specific weakness, and its threat is not so much to our minds, even as they shape-shift under the pressure. The threat is to our souls. At this rate, if the noise does not relent, we might even forget we have any. Dr. Dovich adds to Andrew Sullivan's warning when she says, We move mindlessly through our days while life slips through our fingers, pulled along at technology's relentless pace. We don't stop to assess how the digital tsunami is affecting our quality of life, our relationships, our productivity, much less our spiritual lives. The battle for your soul is raging on whether you know it or not. Silicon Valley wishes to keep you distracted from the better things by offering you a limitless selection and quantity of all sorts of things ranging from useful to innocuous to downright harmful. The challenge of our age is to use this technology with prudent wisdom. We should utilize its beneficial aspects while limiting the innocuous and rejecting the harmful. The digital revolution has demonstrated the vast potential for promoting the vices, inhibiting the virtues, truncating truth, exchanging true beauty for superficiality, while simultaneously distracting us from both love of neighbor and love of God. We need to diligently pursue the basic goods and the two greatest commandments by wisely using this technology and restoring the health of our souls. The key question, as Blaise Pascal asked, was, can we sit quietly in a room alone without the distractions of the digital world? In our next episode, we will explore further the nature of the spiritual dimension and its relationship with religion and various spiritual experiences. This concludes the first 20 episodes of Roots of Flourishing, and I would like to thank all of you for listening. At this point, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the important contributions of my wife, Claire, to the podcast. She has been a tremendous source of both encouragement and feedback, making me more eloquent and clearer as I try to sketch out these big and small ideas. No person is an island, our social dimension, and we are all made better through the positive contributions of others. May we all be so blessed to have such a spouse as my wife, Claire. Until then, wishing you increased flourishing as we press towards the goal of completing our humanity. Check out my show notes for references and additional resources. The show is also at rootsofflourishing.buzzsprout.com. Shoot me an email at rootsofflourishing at gmail.com with comments or questions. 